So Nick, you had some time to review the condo numbers. And okay. all we saw was the negative cash flow, right? Blue, yeah. like it was kind of interesting here. What other asset has a negative cash flow? Can you think of one? Yeah, so I'm still kind of puzzled by it. Not that I know of. Um, the only, I know, so for example, something like precious metals like gold or silver or something like that, that does not have a cash flow. It's just the value of whatever the, the market is. Zero is it. fine. I don't mind zero. It's it's negative. Yeah, I, I don't know another investment that would have a negative cash flow. I genuinely, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, if I did some more research on it, maybe, but, um, it's just something weird that didn't sit with me and I, maybe there is something else, right? We don't know everything. We're not going to pretend we know everything, but it's just one of those things where it was, yeah, it was kind of an interesting stuff, but that's, and again, sorry to cut you off, but that's not to say that a negative cash flow investment is not uh, a good investment or anything like that. It's just that because the appreciation could be greater than the cash. Oh, there's a outlay. huge upside. There's right? an absolute huge upside. There's yeah. There's there's um. I wish I ate my words. I wish I bought properties in Toronto as opposed to Guelph with the positive cash flow when I started. You know, the Furcheck Group was it seven years ago because I would have made a lot more and it would have been personal gains. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have the crystal ball that was going to do it. I was the silly guy still listening to the words I'm saying right now. And uh, here we are today, right? Like there's great upside. I completely agree with you. Hindsight is uh, 50-50. I believe that's what they say, right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's one of those things that's changed in the idea of the investor, right? Is for the most part, what we're, we were just thinking about this was uh, the instantaneous recognition. like Instant gratification and stuff? Like that's what you were saying, instant gratification. Yeah. So... I think with any successful investment, for you to have uh, a successful investment experience, um, again, regardless of what you're investing in, whether it's the stock market, real estate, um, you know, whatever else you can think of, is uh, investment for the for the most part is uh, it's a long term gain, right? Or sorry, a long a long term game, right? Um, society today, especially uh, people in younger generations. Um, we're so used to the social media area where, you know, you post a picture, you post a status or something like that, you get, you know, instant feedback, right? And it's almost like validation of, you know, I've posted something, I've done either something right or wrong, right? And if it's right, it's like, oh, great, I'll do more if you're getting more likes or something like that. Or if it's wrong, it's like, oh, no, that was awful, you know, you'll take it down. But you can, you can act on that feedback quickly. With investment, you it's very it, you don't see that type of feedback immediately, um, and then that you know sometimes causes people to you know second guess. So themselves. I'd say we're seeing a lot more people that are getting attracted to this instantaneous, uh, the instant the yeah. instant gratification. I believe so, and I think that um, that is not uh, a good thing to have, especially when it comes to an investment standpoint. Yeah. Different, different ideas, yes. right? Different ways of, of getting to the people's end goals. Yes, because it's, uh, again, it's a long-term game. And as boring as that sounds, um, sound investments uh, are usually quite, you know, boring. They're, they're, they're not, okay, that's, that's also a little bit Didn't speculative. Didn't Buffett put like 10000 or $100,000 against 10 of the top investors like 10 years ago? Yeah. And so what was that story So if you actually read his um, most recent... Um, uh, sh uh, shareholder letter. He talks uh, a good uh, in depth about that. So essentially, 
it might take a while to explain, but is that okay? No. You're, you're okay? <laughs> how long are we gonna how long is it gonna take to explain? Oh maybe 20, 40, 50 minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I can get it in, in about five. Because there's some backstory that you need to hear. And what's this what's the overall premise? Of his of his bet. Yeah. Um, essentially, um, so when someone asked, okay, this is a really, really, really condensed you need, version. Uh, this give is me your grand on the elevator. Yeah, elevator yeah. So um, when when he was asked, you know, what what's the best investment for, you know, the average investor, um, he basically says, you know, hold index, pa- passive, a low cost passive index fund. Um, so what that is is that he know, followed the S and P five hundred. Yes, exactly. Uh, that was his that was his choice, exactly. and his bet was that over a ten year time period, he believed that um, net of fees, the S and P five hundred would outperform. Uh, I believe there was seven or eight uh, hedge fund managers um, that took on this bet, uh, and basically how bad he beat them. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was it was you know by a pretty significant margin. I think it was like plus fifteen to negative one or something. Like I think they were actually close to to the negatives. Uh, some of them, some I don't think in in that ten year period, I don't think any of them were negative. But I think the lowest did it start during the dot com boom or somewhere around the dot com boom? Uh, right between I believe it was two thousand and seven. So that I think it it was ten year period, right? It was. So yeah, I yeah. believe it ended at December twenty seventeen. De- sorry, December thirty first of twenty seventeen. So basically the start of this year, if you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and it was a seven year. Uh, sorry, a ten-year period. So yeah, it picked up. Years. It picked up the the crash, uh, like the financial crisis. That it picked up that dip. I believe the lowest the lowest return fund um, that didn't even make it throughout that ten-year period. Yeah. Um, so in, in our industry, there's something called survivorship bias. But anyways, yeah. I think that fund returned something like two point six percent after. That was the lowest fees. That was the lowest. What was the highest? The highest was the S and P five hundred. And through that time period, go, yeah, through that boys. time period, I believe it was about nine point eight or something like that percent, which is pretty close to historical averages. So talking about Buffett, because he came up with the Berkshire Hathaway. Do you think asset is a is asset its own class? Like is or is cash an asset class? That's what I was looking for. Is cash itself an asset? Class? Is cash an asset class? Yes. <laughs> so. That was a that was a good one, Adam. Um, Testing you again. Yes, no, that's okay. So yeah, I think cash, one hundred percent, is an asset class. Um, and generally speaking, there are four asset classes. Cash being probably the least risky per se. Um, then fixed income, so bonds, which is debt, whether yeah. it's government, corporate, you know, private, whatever. Um, the next would be uh, in terms of riskiness. Well, I would probably say real estate. Right, because real estate, like real assets, that's real an asset assets, class. Exactly. Real assets, um, exactly. And then yeah. uh, equities, so the stock market, um, in terms of risk spectrum. Um, and again, generally speaking, actually, we won't get into that. But yeah, th- those are the generally four um, types of asset classes. And again, to have some sort of a successful um, investor experience, you want to have um, your money allocated to, uh, you know, as many asset classes as possible. So what what's a good percentage to have in cash? Again, that's all that's that's cuz I saw Buffett increase his by 23% yeah. Yeah. Berkshire. Yeah. That blew yeah, me so away. that that is it's all a relative um, term or that's a relative amount based on your 
kind of personal or a company or whatever in his situation, like their situation. There's no magic number. So in theory, if you believe in your investment, why would you want to hold cash? You're not taking full advantage of that investment opportunity. So they don't like Coca-Cola. They don't like all the guys they're holding. That's not to say that they don't like it. Um, that's to say that perhaps they don't see the opportunity that there once was or yeah, no, he said it's because everything was overvalued. That is, but what not only that too. Said. When you're that big of a of an investor, there's certain regulatory restrictions that happen to you, right? Yeah. If you own 10 percent right. or yeah. more of a publicly traded company, I mean, again, the average investor is not going to run into that problem. They could buy any of the like 495 yeah. of the 500. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, there's things that you have to consider like that on why someone would have or have more cash and whatnot. Um, but yeah, as as a as a read, you know, this is all public knowledge and, and stuff like that. Reading his annual report that he writes to shareholders every year is absolutely incredible. Um, it'll be about uh, it'll be about a forty five minute to an hour read. So I recommend you either you know get a nice cup of coffee, tea, maybe a scotch or a cigar, um, and you know read read his his annual report or or his letter to shareholders. Again, it'll take you about an hour, but there's some really, really good stuff in there. And he writes it in a way that um, anyone can really understand. And even if you just want to know the inner workings of his business and how he kind of operates, it gives really, really good light on that, how he has how he's diversified his holdings from owning, you know, beverage companies like Coca-Cola or something like that, and then insurance companies like Geico or Gecko, however you pronounce it, um, you know, and holding other companies like, you know, Kraft or something like that that are private. Like, his investment portfolio is broadly diversified. All of his eggs are not in one basket. No, he's a very, very yeah. smart man. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good end uh, to our thing with some imparting wisdom from Nick. Definitely read the annual shareholders uh, yeah. memo from yeah. Yeah. So Warren it's Buffett. the Berkshire Hathaway uh, annual report. I don't know the exact word what it's called, but it's on it's on yeah it's on the Berkshire website. You can download it. It's a PDF. So yeah, it'll be a good read. All right, Nick. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, Adam. Thanks for having me.